Once in a while I get online to look. We've got some men through the years that have been looking for churches, and so I get on some of the uh, sites to see what's uh, available out there for these guys to put their their name in uh, to see if they can uh, possibly be their pastor. And uh, you want to have fun, and if you want to see what is out there and what's going on in Christianity that will really give you a bit of a barometer of of the of what churches are looking for. And some they'll have their standards and and things, but it also uh, matter of fact the the one I was uh looking up there, the very first thing that this church said that we are looking for is a dynamic speaker. That's the first you know, usually when you put the first thing out there, that's like a really important thing. So you have to be a dynamic speaker to, in order to qualify for that particular church. And then they'll go through a list of other things. Um, one of them that I've noticed, uh, my right, Dave uh, Clark, I talked to him uh, about a year or so ago about some of this. And some of the first things that are made known so that the candidate will understand, it is some, said something like this the pastor will give his accountability to the board of elders. So that's how it starts. So they need to know the form of government is, preacher, you're here to fill the pulpit and get lots of people coming in and fill the offering plate and we'll take care of business. We'll make all of the major decisions so we don't want you to lead us because we got CEOs and we've got really important people that run businesses, so we'll let them run the church. What we do understand in the scriptures is this place and what goes on here is not a business. If we look at this as a business, we are failing because this is not a business. You say, but we have bills to pay. Agreed. We, we have all these things that we need to do to take care of. We need insurances and we need all those things. Agreed. I understand that there is business, and I get that. But that's not what drives this church. If it is, we're in trouble. This is a body, and it's different. Have you noticed with the businesses that are out there, and I'm not saying this of all businesses, but I've, as I'm hearing people, uh, they've been there for 20 and 30 years, and then the boss comes in and says, by the way, we're just going to go ahead and let you go, have a nice life. And no explanation, it's just we have somebody else we want to bring in that we feel is going to do a better job. And back in the day, there was a lot of loyalty from companies to the employees, especially those that have been there for a long time. They're there. Matter of fact, there's been times through the years we've got bosses and presidents. They'll come to funerals that I have had because they 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 love their people. And boy, America is really changing with a lot of things. If, if we start looking at the church like that, that they were replaceable with, you know, we, we get somebody else, you know. Um, boy, we we could be going down a really bad slope in a real big hurry. Um, some of the other qualifications that we see have everything to do with the position of the pastor except for spiritual things. 
and especially when it comes to qualifying based on scriptures. Tonight we're going to talk a little bit more, as we did last week, about qualifying. Last week we talked about the position as far as pastoring, uh, <clears throat> the feeding of the flock, the eldership, the spiritual maturity to lead guide also, and then the overseer, um, the bishop, who was over basically everything that's, that's happening. And so we, we talked about that, and tonight we are going to get into a little bit of the qualifying and here again, I'm talking about myself. I'm talking about others that are preparing for ministry, etc. And, and God um, definitely says, this is what I need a pastor to be. And as soon as you get into this subject, boy, has that changed. Uh, it's, it's like, get your ordination from the Cracker Jack box. And, you know, it's just like, what is going on? Uh, does the guy know the word? Is the guy called? Is the guy looking at this as a job? Is the guy, you know, what, what's going on? Uh, what's the home life like? Um, by the way, uh, recently, uh, as I was looking one up, the board, the committee that was looking for the pastor, actually got into the financial side of the pastors now. So they are finding out, have you as a pastor gone bankrupt? Isn't that interesting? They want to know, are you in debt up to your eyeballs? Now why would a church, by the way, I agree with it, why would a church need to know the financial status of a pastor? I'm seeing heads going, you know the answer. Because as he leads his home, he is going to be leading the church. And if you got a couple thousand dollars, we got to spend it. we gotta, we got to do, you know, it's, it's like it, it, you just can't handle They don't know how to handle money. They don't look ahead. And I'm not saying that a church has to have hundreds of thousands of dollars in a bank for the rainy day. I'm, I'm not saying that. But we ought to have at least some type of a, a financial strategy that we're going to be going forward with, with taking care of the missionaries, taking care of the building, taking care of grounds and things along that line. Sadly, we are seeing, even in our local community, churches shutting their doors left and right. And a lot of it has to do with the finances. They can't keep the lights on. They can't pay the bills. And they're... You know, when people leave, they find another church. They like this church better than this church. We're going to migrate and go to this church. And if they, you have all of that. But I'm just watching this whole thing. And I'm like, do you think we should maybe get back to scriptures? And quit having a pastor viewed as a CEO. Maybe his position is a little different than you just speech, give a good speech, people like you, and then we're going to go forward. I guarantee you people, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of people, they hate my guts. They do not like my dogma. They do not like things. They talk about me. heard another one the other week. Um, this is, comes up a lot. I must, 
I have this thing about me. I had another guy, uh, that person come up and say, well, we already know what Pastor Carl would advise these people, their perimeter. They don't come to church. They're way over here. So don't talk to him because he is going to side up with the husband because he always sides up with the husband against the wife because he hates women. I love it when I hear what I am. I've never met the people. I've never counseled the people they know. And yet there's this, this stigma that comes on Baptist preachers, and it's mostly the Baptist preachers, that, that the men are always right and, and the women just need to submit to their husbands and everything will be just fine. I'm like, are you kidding me? Give me the case. And the case is that the husband is an absolute jerk. He's dealing drugs. He's coming home bringing this garbage in. And he's abusive. You say, well, what would you advise? She just needs to submit to him. No, she needs to call the cops. The jerk needs to go to jail. You say, you would, you would actually have a woman put her husband in jail? Yeah, he's hurting our community. He's dealing drugs. He's a really bad man. You say, well, well what's she going to do? That's where the local church comes in. The deacons step up and they say, this woman is doing right. Let's get behind her. Let's financially help her until she can get on her feet, get the job, take care of the kids and everything. So guess what? We have to help. <laughs> it's really crazy what's going on in Christianity. And uh, matter of fact, I have told many a lady, buddy, you need to get some new locks on your doors Lock the guy out. He needs, a, he needs to do his own laundry. And there's no kissing and smooching. There's nothing. The guy's going to realize what it's like to be single. And they don't always like it. They can't hug their kids. They can't come home to their children. All of these things that they're losing, they need the wake-up call. And so I've actually, through the years, most, many times have sighed. I had this one lady. She didn't get this from me, but I love the story. She, you know, the husband, you know, he prayed the prayer with me, you know, and came to church a little bit. He was a drunk. He just, there was no conversion of the heart at all. And, you know, there was no evidence at all. And he would come home, come home drunk, and he would kick his kids. He would punch his wife in the face and do all of this abusive stuff. And she's coming and crying. And I said, there needs to be a separation. This is not good. You need to protect the children, cracked ribs, all this kind of stuff. Really, really bad case. And finally, he comes home, and he's in his drunk, you know, and he starts yelling and throwing and everything. So she just walks up to him and punches him in the face as hard as she possibly could. I mean, she smacked him, and he went, that hurt. Duh, that's what you've been doing to us. It hurts, doesn't it? And he stopped beating his kids, stopped beating his wife. I don't know if I would recommend that course of action. It might backfire on you. But that case, it worked. She was a sweetheart too. Sweet, sweet Christian. Uh, sweet Christian. Uh, he died. Probably drank himself to death. And, uh, yeah. This whole body of Christ and what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish is an incredible thing. So preachers need to have 
qualification, and a lot of it has to do with our inner being, our spiritual side, but also actions, etc. Um, offices. Let's, let's discuss this just a little bit more. We're going to start out, uh, in, instead of Titus, we're going to start out in the book of Philippians in chapter number 1. Philippians in chapter number 1. Almost there. We're going to read verse 1. Philippians 1.1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. You'll see the two offices, bishops and and deacons. Father, bless the time. Help us to learn some good things about ourselves. Help us learn good things about your word. And help us to see the order that you have given us. And Holy Spirit, do the job of teaching. And we'll thank you for Jesus' sake. Amen. So here again, as the progression happens with the New Testament, um, we went from disciples that were then commissioned to be the sent ones as apostles. These apostles go out and they begin to preach the gospel, have the sign gifts, and, and win many to Christ. Paul, an apostle, also goes out and on these mission trips begins to start local churches. One of them, as we know about the Philippian jailer. Well, that's at Philippi. That's this whole area where this church began. So this, him and others that he's led to the Lord will be part of, of this assembly. And as it goes on, the settling in of the future government was being established. There are no more apostles today. You say, yes, there is. There's an apostolic church down the road. Eh. Wrong. Just because they call themselves apostles doesn't mean that they qualify to be one. They needed to see and be personally taught by Jesus Christ. They needed to see the resurrected Christ. And there were qualifications that have, have been laid out in the scriptures about why are, were there apostles. And so no apostles, uh, that, that office is done away with. Once they, that group of men who were taught and saw the resurrected Christ, etc., when they died, the apostleship stopped. That's why you do not see uh, later on much talk about other apostles. Early on, were. But the progression takes place. Same thing with the sign gifts. The further you get from Acts 2, the less you see the sign gifts being practiced in the New Testament. So here, to me, this lays out for the local church that there are the bishops, those who would oversee, that we would see as pastors, elder, bishop, these men that are overseeing the ministry, and then you have those who assist. They would be the deacons. So the purpose of the deacon is not that of an elder. So as we see the deacons within the church, they are not meeting the criteria that a bishop uh, or elder would have, according to 1 Timothy um, uh, 3, and then also Titus. So they would, that would be a unique, distinct office, and the primary purpose of the deacons 
was that they would take care of those who were in physical need, the widows. Of course, we would say widowers, too, to make sure that those who do not have family, that things will be taken care of for them. And so they, they are here for, on behalf of the people to, to be able to, to serve and meet the needs of, of the people. And you can see their qualifications also in 1 Timothy 3, 8 and, and following. So here are the, the offices that we would hold on to as far as those. Now, we do have trustees. Um, some have said, well, they can see that as an office um, in the Scriptures. I'd like to find that. I, I don't see that that is a, as one, but I think that it is, you know, this is the first church I've ever uh, been at that um, had trustees. And, you know, the thing is, I asked, I asked the guys when I got here, I said, well, not had trustees. And they said, oh, yeah. I said, is it working? That's the only question I have. Does it work? Like, yeah. Okay, let's go forward. Before all the deacons did that stuff that the trustees did in all my other churches. So basically the deacons took care of the insurances. They took care of everything that the trustees are doing, the grounds. They're the mowers. They're the guys shoveling. They're doing everything, you know, as far as the work. And, and then... Um, so they do it all. And so there was a need for a few more to do that. Nothing wrong with having trustees. Hey, it works out real well for us because the deacons get to do what they do and the trustees get to do what they do. And when we need to, we get together and we talk and make sure everybody's happy and all the needs are met in the church. So as we see, the trustees would take care of more of the grounds, uh, taking care of things. They are bringing proposals. Hey, we need to have new lights, or we need to have this or that. And that way the deacons can deal with taking care of the needs of the people. You know, hey, we, so-and-so needs to have their, their, uh, their, their uh, gas is going to shut, be shut off, or their electric is going to be shut off. We need to make sure that that doesn't happen. they got little kids, so we take care of that. So the deacons are over here doing their thing, and trustees do that. And, uh, hey... Praise the Lord. It works. Nothing wrong with it. And that's what, that's what I always ask people. You know, I, I have other preachers that will call me and they'll say, well, what about this or this? I'm, I always have to ask that question. Is it working? Is the congregation good with it? Everybody's happy? Yeah, yay. Then, then go for it. It's a cultural thing or it's a thing that we do. And there's nothing wrong with there being a variety of ways of doing things. Nothing, nothing wrong with that at all. I thank God for the trustees. They've done a wonderful job, worked very, very hard, very long meetings, and uh, they've got a lot to, lot to work on and a lot to, to discuss, and that's a good thing. But they're not elders, and neither are the deacons. And so you say, well, do we, in, in the uh, book of Galatians, he talks about the mul- multiplicity of elders, and a lot of churches, it would definitely benefit to have more than one uh, who was, is qualified and has been called to that office to be part of it. And that's why he says in Titus, ordain elders, plural, in every city. So it is very good to have multiple elders. Um, we have some men here that could qualify. They pastored in the past. Um, they're not pastoring now. But they could possibly, you know, if you needed, wanted to have a board, you could do that. Um, you would see Pastor Nathan and I as basically um, the, the, uh, the elders, Pastor Bishop. And so that's what we've got. And uh, got Dave uh, Clark. He's getting ready to head out. We pray and for him to, as he's been wanting to get a church. Uh, we've had Ethan. We've got Mark. We got these guys that were sent out. These the, the the men saw the qualification 
and, and we uh, commissioned them. They have not been ordained yet, but that's okay. They are commissioned to, to go out, licensed by this church, to, to preach the gospel, to take care of weddings and everything uh, that they need to do, giving the ordinances and a lot of the other things that many churches have as far as the pastor's uh, job description is to give the, uh, the, uh, those ordinances of baptism and communion and so uh, that's a lot. And then a lot of it has to do, you know, a lot of big questions that, about the preacher too, is they, they have to have the ability to cohort multiple um, employees and staff. So, I mean, it does help um, to be able to be organized. It really does help. Because <laughs> I've met some preachers that they're not very organized. And they really don't know how to get everything done. So they're scrambling Sunday morning to find a message because they're not really sure what to do. And so organization uh, helps. Last few years have been crazy for me, though, because um, I'm usually a year and a half out on all, all my messages. So Sunday morning, Sunday night, I was doing Sunday school. So I would be a year out where we're heading as a congregation. Why are we going New Testament, Old Testament? Why are we switching this up? Prophecy, why are we getting evangelistic here? So we're getting the big picture. So there is a method to my madness, in other words. And so, uh, so but for a while there, I'm like, I'm telling my wife, you need to pray for me. I have no idea where we're going after this next series. And so... Um, uh, it was tough because this year I wasn't exactly sure how it was all going to unfold. And when I finally laid out what all we need to accomplish on Sunday mornings, I said to Lori, I said, well, this is going to take about a year and a year and a half until we're finally done with all of this because there's a lot that we have to have developed with um, this matter of, of uh, understanding the world that we live in and, and how do we look at the world biblically and not compromising scriptures and yet winning the world and having that balance. So we've got to talk about idolatry. We've got to talk about moral issues. Why do we as believers, why do we take a stand against abortion? Why do we believe in some of these things that are on the front with, with the political side of things? And so do we believe that we as a church influence the country that we live in? The answer is absolutely and a right government would say, we want morality. We don't want drugs. We don't want drunkenness. We don't want robberies. So let's work together, get the heart changed. So as Ephesians says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather work with his hands that which is good, that he may have to give to those that are in need. Complete 180 from what they were. Take, take, take. Now it's work, help, work, help. Take care of my family. Take care of the needs of the family. Take care of the church. Take care of everything. And now we have a goal with the finances. So we work and we affect a community, I believe. One soul at a, at a time. One soul at a time is the key. Um, look over with me now to uh, the book of Titus. And we'll go as far as we can here. We're already running out of time. I got the gift of gab from my mama. She, she's a talker. Her, uh, I uh, head back to Pennsylvania the latter part of the week. My, uh, my mom's 
uh, one last sister living, she passed away, and uh, they asked me to come back and be part of the uh, the eulogy and part of the message. And I'll be back one Sunday. You're not going to miss any services, but I really wanted to get back because this is my last aunt on on uh, my mom's side. This is pretty much it, and my dad's sister is still living. And uh, but uh, yeah, so I want to get back and uh, and be there and. Uh, Hopefully we'll be able to, again, share the gospel with some, some, some of the family and try to encourage them. My aunt uh, Pauline, she was a Christian, and, uh, and uh, I think they loved the Lord. So it's an honor for me to be part of that. Appreciate your prayers. We head back there and do the round trip uh, Thursday through Saturday night and get back into uh, to things. But anyways, we're over in uh, the book of Titus. And as we're, uh, we're there, in verse 5 and following, God begins to give us um, what we're supposed to be doing, what the leadership was to be doing. Verse 5, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that's that little isle that we talked about in the Mediterranean, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting. In other words, there were things that they were lacking, didn't have together. So he said, let's perfect those things, let's mature those. And then he says, and ordain elders in every city as I appointed thee. So this island, lots of roads, lots of communicate, uh, communities, so we need to have these local churches established. So, folks, uh, I have one, of, one missionary, and I don't know if he was what he was all together getting at. I'm still trying to figure that whole situation out, but he kept on meeting with me. And he, said, he asked me, he goes, so talk to me about why you have, in the last, say, 8, 10 years, whatever, been sending people out. I'm like... Well, we got my son-in-law, Mark, we got Ethan, we got Andrea, we got Dave. We're praying to get, get him going. And the list goes on with those who have gone out from, from Northside. And I said, well, isn't everybody doing this? And he said, nope. So we're not seeing the people submitting to leave and to go out and to preach the gospel around the world, etc. And uh, take on, take churches. I'm like, really? So I don't know if he was build me up. I, I'm not sure what was going on. But I am going to say this. We are a very blessed church. We've got Dave and Beth Anna. They're in the midst of training. There's so many that sometimes I forget one or the other, you know. And it's really, that's a good thing. We've got some others uh, that are, have talked with me and they're looking at some, uh, some mission work that they're looking at doing. So we have more that want to go out. Folks, that's what we're talking about here. That we would take someone, educate, give them the word, they meet the qualifications, and then they, they step into then the leadership position to be able to help out. I love uh, some of the Indian ideas, uh, those in India, some of the pastors that are there. Uh, Pastor Reddy, I've talked with him probably the most at length, and other countries do it too. But what they do... Is and we we've had part of that financially. Is uh, this pastor will find some ground, and then uh, the one he developed is kind of a long rectangular building, and in it are these chambers for the men who are studying for ministry to live. They have other areas over here where they're they're teaching the men um, trades, and then on down. So they, they stay at this place for an entire year. And they eat, drink, live, learning a profession, and learning the Word. And then after this year, 
they then are sent and sometimes we will support a national pastor and that's one like that they're going into a small community and they they start the church and i said so you're going to give them a trade and they're going to be ready to be a pastor in one year i'm like that's really really kind of fast but there again i have america in my brain I have these churches over here that are looking at minimum of five years. Don't even give me your resume. Almost all of them say minimum of three to five years. Well, well, they got to start somewhere. How are they going to get three to five years if nobody will hire them? Because, well, you haven't had three to five years in yet. Well, somebody's got to help them. So, sadly, some of these pastors have to start out in a really, really... Uh, struggling work to get some experience and learn what to do and what not to do before they can put their name in a hat in another place, etc. But anyways, um, so, so, so I asked him, I said, Ray, how does this work? You're getting them all ready. He goes, Carl, 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 stop. He goes, where they are going, you have to understand, we're in a village of maybe three, 400 people. We're dealing with people that are in absolute poverty, in other words, they're not running at the factory over here and working and have all these houses and everything. They're living in little huts with thatch roofs and they don't have anything. They do not have education. Maybe some schooling for the children now that they wouldn't have had for these, the, the parents and grandparents, etc. And so they're going into absolute, he said, and I understood what he meant, these men are going in like doctors. They're viewed as, wow, you went to school, you have education, you have studied, and they are actually highly respected because they've had this amount of training. And now they have skills. They can bring some of these crafts and abilities to, to do, to sew or whatever. And uh, one pastor in Africa, that's what he did. They, they sewed and made, made furniture out of leather, and that was his vocation. And that's enabled him to be able to preach the gospel and uh, and so after through through the years he started preaching in the same place that he was working on this stuff he would put all the sewing machine everything to the side and in this big garage that's where they'd have church then on Sundays and uh, if I remember the story uh, this church in Elkhart Indiana built a church for this guy okay and now they're running three hundred some people. It's, it's good to build churches for these guys that have the integrity that know what they're doing. And I'd like to see us do that again. And so we, but we have to have a qualified man and uh, to be able to get in and to be able to take care of the work and know, you know, uh, what he's doing as far as biblical leadership. And uh, and I love that we were in Africa. Remember the last time I was there? I had such an awesome time with these men kind of laid out how we do things here because they didn't have that kind of training. How do you develop leaders? How do you, you, know, how do you get? So I told him, I said, um, right now you're doing all the work, right? Yep. We're the maintenance man. We're the song leader. We're the youth pastor. We're the counselor. We're the pastor. We're doing it all. And then we were working on the side. I said, so here's what you do. You take some time and you develop some men. Raise them up. Get them to help out with individual ministries. And they're like, we never thought of that. And I mean, it was fun because this guy that I'm talking about, at the end of the conference, he came up. He said, the guy that was with him from the church said, we've already laid out because we know the, we know the gifts of the men that can take over missions, training, 
discipleship, music, and they literally never thought, why don't we get some other people to help out with this? And I mean, they were smiling. They couldn't wait to go home and start putting this into practice. And we pray that we can help pastors with the, the simple things of ministry that we've been able to see successful. We're praying uh, the end of August into September. Um, I've been wanting to get back uh, on the field, and so we're, we're praying. And hopefully, the, the, I was talking to Kwame, and he said, we've not had any of the pastors coming in to teach the pastors there. And nobody has touched the revelation thoroughly in eschatology. And so I said, I'll do it. And he's like, great. So we, he's trying to get, it up, get about 30 to 40 pastors together in West Africa. And then I'll be flying in. I don't know, Kenny, Pastor Ken Todd might be going in too. Dave's going in. And so we're hoping to be able to get there. And I don't know how much time I'm going to have yet with the pastors, but we're going to be giving them the rudiments of the revelation and eschatology to be able to give them a foundation because you know, they, can, they have the word, but they've not had a structure to the timelines and stuff like that. So I'm hoping to be able to go in and biblically show them the timeline uh, in, the, in, in that uh, two, about a week and a half that I'll be there uh, teaching the pastors. So um, it's a lot of fun for me. And there again, that reflects on Northside because they keep saying to me in letters, thank the church. You have no idea how these pastors thank God for you. They will say, I pray for your church all the time. I'm praying for you. They're over there, and you think we're praying for them? Follow me. They're praying for you. Because of your spiritual abilities and helps, you enable them to do what they're doing. This is, this is what we're talking about. Establishing leadership. Qualified men, women, that can step in and do the work. And I say women because God talks in, Philipp, in, in the book of uh, Romans, in chapter 16, the women like Phoebe, others that were integral parts of the local church in helping to be able to establish things that were community outreaches, helps. And these people were thinking, looking at their community and saying, how can we do this? And this is, sorry, I'm getting a little bit of a lot of philosophy with this part of this book. But we, we, we always, as a church, need to evaluate, are we being effective? Are we doing the work that we need to be doing? Or, you know, we've got a few hundred people, the bills are paid, we're doing good, amen. And if that's the mindset, we're not doing the work. And, and, I, and I look at what's happening with our culture and, and everything, and we're so busy. Everybody's working so hard and they're busy and hardly have any time and they're trying to take care of their families and kids and lawns and everything else that's going on. And we stop and we say, okay, what are we supposed to be doing reaching the next generation that's coming up through? And what we're seeing is a lot of dysfunction, lack of order. Well, can we as a church try to help by creating order within the home that Husbands know the rule. The wives know the rule. The children understand what is a home supposed to look like and function like. And before long, because there's order, now we have time. What used to take all week, we got this done in a day. Because we actually work together. Instead of fighting and squabbling. 
And it's amazing when God says that he absolutely developed in his creation what order is supposed to look like. Um, and it reflects then in the home, reflects in, in the church. So I have one of the preachers that, after it was so funny, because once he got to the church, you know, he got things going, you know, kind of established who he is, getting to know the people. And he calls me, he calls me up, he goes, preacher. I said, what? He goes, Okay, got messages done, got to see all the shut-ins, nobody in the hospital. Now what do I do? And it was so awesome because it's like I kind of did the checklist, everything that needed done. It's like, what do you do? You know, I said, well, just spend some time with your sweetheart, your, your wife and your kids. Yeah, they're at school, everything's going good. I said, isn't it, and I'm thinking, isn't it amazing when we do have order and we know what we're supposed to do and we attack that and get the work done, we actually have time. And I said, go fishing. Get a bit of a break. Have some time for you. Relax a little bit. Get regenerated because you're, trust me, the next day you could have a 16-hour day. So if you're not refreshed, you're not going to be worth anything the next day because you could start at the call at 2 o'clock in the morning and you're off to the hospital because somebody's passing away. You need to be there for the family. And then you got a funeral to get ready. And then you got to get those messages finished up. And, and then all of a sudden it rains on you again. And, uh, and I loved it because he could sense order in his ministry. And the people were satisfied. And and it was or and that's it's really awesome when that happens. Do you think we make ministry harder than it's supposed to be? You think some of the things that we add on, the add-ons, and then the add-ons um, could burn a church out? And we've got to be careful that we don't do that, because then that's going to begin to reflect on the home and bitterness in the home because of the busyness and gone to church and gone here and gone there. And we've got to make sure that we find that balance, um, even though that's one of the things for pastors and, uh, and things that I think that's good for, for us all. As we start looking at qualifications uh, the next time, uh, what you're going you're gonna to find is everything that God says about pastors is also said about every Christian. So it's not like we're an elite group that we got it all together. You know, everything is just right. You know, this guy is blameless. Well, God says you all are supposed to be blameless. The sons of God. Well, you're not supposed to be a drunk. Well, neither are you. It actually gets in that one word has to do with guys totally out of control, chaotic lifestyle. And now let's let's look at the word, and, and I'm going to preach to you now when the when the whole lifestyle is an absolute wreck. Well, the same qualification is for all of us that we're supposed to have things in order. And uh, you know, it, it gets into you know, we're not supposed to be guilty of of, of filthy money. So that means the congregation's allowed to. 
Supposed to be, are you allowed to be coveting and all that kind of stuff? Like I said, all of this qualification is there. But if you're going to stand in the pulpit, not that you're going to be perfect in all this, but you ought to be able to be an example of those things. Basically, a pastor is supposed to be an example of whatever Christian is supposed to be acting like and looking like. By the way, that doesn't make the preacher perfect or a deacon perfect or their kids perfect or their wives perfect or anything. I've acted against an, accu- uh, an elder to receive not an accusation except to be by two or three witnesses. And then them that sin rebuke before all that others will fear. They didn't say fire them. They just said, hey, that was stupid. Don't do that again. And I got some Kate. Well, I got one. Okay, there you go then. There's one preacher. He goes, my assistant's driving me nuts. I said, what happened? He goes, well... He did some interaction. He was he was teaching music. He was a, the the music director to you know with the choir and everything. And he said so he's giving private lessons to make a little extra money and stuff. Nothing wrong with that. And so he was doing this and did this deal with this kid and the parents about a violin. And then he got the violin and then never paid the bill. And then he lied about it. And it's like, well, you know, he's trying to him haul around. And they finally went to the senior and said, hey, your assistant here, you know, said this. This is what he promised. And he isn't paying the bill. And he's like, I don't know exactly how preacher uh, took care of that one, except for he definitely confronted him and said, listen, whether you think you owe them or not, the right thing to do is give them the money. Fifty bucks. Isn't that worth a good reputation? Well, it's my money. I work hard for it. There's times God says, take the fault. Yep, I'm wrong. I absolutely did wrong. Well, that makes you look like the bad guy. It doesn't matter. Yep, you say that. I didn't give you the money. Here it is. I want to take care of that. I humbly apologize for that. And, uh, and that would, would then generate respect by all that knew. That we're all supposed to be like this handling ourselves well and uh, when we do man we're going to be we're going to affect one another help one another and it's a it's a it's a really good thing i don't know if we need an invitation tonight nancy so i'm going to close us in a word of prayer and then we can uh, we can let these dear folks home father your word is amazing concepts that we see that i've been trying to teach tonight things that i've observed i've learned from other pastors that i hope is going to help this church and this congregation to be be growing and maturing in you and through our actions, our attitudes, the perceptions that others have of us is important. Not Lord that we live for their approval, but we don't want to be blamed full, full of blame. We want, we want to be living above that. So help us, Lord, to to live for you, put you first. And Lord, we thank you uh, for leaders. We I thank you for the men the women that I have seen be such wonderful leaders in ministries that have have taken individuals, mentored them, raised them up until they become leaders also. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your word in this day. Take us home safely, and we will thank you for what you'll do. Pray it by faith. According to your will in Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a fabulous week. Lord will, see you.